not only have they put out a product that causes myocarditis and pericarditis and those things they've admitted or blood clots, but imagine something that causes cancer. Uh, and they're keeping it on the market and they're giving it to children as young as six months old and they're giving it to pregnant women and others fetuses that are developing cancers in utero newborns that are developing cancers that i've never seen before um they will fight this uh, as long as they can geez it's just their their agenda of making money and there's other transhuman agenda they have is so important to them that they are willing to just go to the mat on everything it's just incredible so are doctors dying at a faster rate than the general public and, me and medical well, professionals? So that that's a good question. Um, I believe so. And, and I'll tell you why. Um... If you've been paying attention, you know the global economy is transforming. The BRICS nations want to see the end of the dollar reserve currency, and many countries are joining their effort. The Western banking system is the most fragile it's been since 2008. The highly respected Weiss Research Group accurately provided advance warning on which banks are going to fail with 99.3% accuracy after the 2008 crisis. They are now predicting that a whopping 4,243 banks are vulnerable to failure and 1,210 of those banks face imminent failure. When this situation comes to pass, it will dwarf the 2008 banking crisis. The only asset that has historically weathered a storm this severe has been precious metals. It has never been a better time to buy gold and silver to protect your family. Contact Miles Franklin at info at milesfranklin.com. Tell them Sarah sent me and you will get the best service and the best prices on gold and silver in the country. That is a guarantee from them to me. Remember, info at milesfranklin.com. Tell them Sarah sent me. Do this now to protect your assets and the ones you love. Welcome to Business Game Changers. I'm Sarah Westall. I have Dr. William Mackis coming to the program. He's an amazing person and his backstory, I know a lot of people follow him about because he he covers the sudden deaths and he's one of the five people out there that are just really covering all the sudden deaths around the world or specifically in the western countries but before covid happened he was a top cancer oncologist and he had one of the most promising programs in canada and his story of how he was shut down for the purpose of them wanting the profits and controlling cancer research in cancer treatments is incredible. He talks about how they did implement his cancer treatments here in the United States, but the people only have access to it once they're in stage four cancer. And if they got access to it in stage one, stage two, they would never progress to stage four, but they wouldn't make the money that is available for all the chemo and other treatments. He's gonna tell that story. And then we're gonna talk about the excess deaths and what he has coming, when he thinks the tipping point is going to happen, how it's going to collapse all our institutions. It, these are very serious times, and we, we're going to have to get through it. And it's just the way it is. And hopefully, we rise from the ashes with something better for humanity. And that's what we need to be starting to think about. Those of us who are in kind of the forefront, knowing what's going on, realize that the collapse of all these institutions are going to happen. And instead of the bad guys getting on top of it and creating the, the environment they want, we need to create the environment we want that's pro-human. Very, very important. Okay, let's get into this really interesting and important conversation with Dr. William Mackis. 
Hi, Dr. Mackis. Welcome to the program. Thank you very much for having me. I've heard so much about you. I follow you on your Substack, so I see stuff coming into my email on a regular basis, and I've wanted to talk to you for a while, and I have been made aware, I, I don't know why I didn't know about your backstory in Canada, and it's just an amazing story that people need to hear, and what you had to endure, and this all happened before COVID. Can you talk about your backstory and what you dealt with, with the Canadian medical, you know, establishment, I don't know, establishment, yeah. yes. <laughs> Certainly. Uh, I was born in communist Czechoslovakia. Uh, uh, we immigrated to Canada through a refugee camp in Yugoslavia, a United Nations refugee camp, uh, where I lived for a year with my family. Um, grew up in Toronto, Ontario. Uh, I went to University of Toronto, I, I, where I obtained my immunology degree. And then I went to medical school at uh, McGill University, uh, where I did a 10-year training um, in total uh, with um, in radiology and oncology. So it's a, it's a specialty called nuclear medicine, and it uh, has elements of both radiology and oncology in it. So I have specialization in, in those two fields. And um, I ran a large cancer program in Alberta. Uh, we... Um, treated end-stage cancer patients with targeted radionuclide therapy. So this is a cutting-edge uh, targeted treatment. In cancer, we want to get away from just, you know, standard chemo where you're damaging uh, a lot of healthy tissues and healthy cells. And, we, you know, this is where oncology is going, is, is, is targeted therapy where you can deliver the treatment directly to the tumor and not uh, affect healthy tissues. So this is what we were doing in, in my cancer program in Alberta. I was very successful. We had about an 85 to 90% cure rate of wow. stage four neuroendocrine patients who had failed every other treatment. Wow. Unfortunately, uh, my cancer program was attacked. Uh, it was shut down. Uh, I was removed from it. Uh, I later realized that uh, Justin Trudeau's government had actually wanted to monopolize this treatment and invested over $300 million of federal money to rebuild my cancer clinic in Vancouver, British Columbia in collaboration with University of British Columbia and BC Cancer Agency and local governments. And so I didn't know that at the time. Um, I just saw my pro cancer program being sabotaged. Uh, I was offered $400,000 uh, to sign non-disclosure agreements and leave Alberta. I refused to sign it. And within six hours of my refusal of this $400,000 bribe, they took my medical license hostage uh, and started threatening my family, threatening my children and said, we'll never allow you to practice medicine unless you sign this non-disclosure agreement. Wow. And that was, six, that was six years ago. So this all happened before the pandemic. And, you know, so I started whistleblowing about corruption in, in Canada's healthcare system, but very few people were interested in that. You know, it, it's as long as it didn't affect anybody else, um, you know, the media didn't care. Uh, the politicians certainly didn't care. Uh, and other doctors didn't care either. And then the pandemic wow. hits. And then the corruption and then the corruption really rises to the surface. Well, that's my point. It's like you ignore the corruption and then it's going to come for you, too. And then it did come for you, you know, you being the general public. So did the cancer treatment, did they end up following through or did they end up just shutting yours down and then never really following through? And so so many people aren't getting this treatment that could help you. Yeah, so so Canadians couldn't get the treatment anymore because I was the referral center for all of Canada. 
I mean, I had patients from the U.S. trying to get in, but you know, over the years, United States has built many of these centers. You know, at Stanford, Johns Hopkins, uh, Memorial Sloan Kettering, all these big cancer centers now offer this treatment. Not available to Canadians still. Uh, now they're building huge facilities in in Vancouver, British Columbia, with uh, Trudeau's money. Uh, they're building multiple city block complexes. New buildings are going up. Private cancer centers are going up as, as well. Uh, so all of this is in in progress. In, in fact, you know, I, I found out that uh, the Trudeau government wanted to build Vancouver, British Columbia into the Silicon Valley of healthcare in North America, where all the pharmaceutical companies would have uh, either headquarters or or have some kind of a you know location uh, footprint, uh, along with big cancer clinics and so on. And the idea was actually to provide cutting edge personalized cancer treatments to wealthy overseas clients in China, in India, in Japan, who would fly to Vancouver. That's why Vancouver was the perfect hub, because it was, you know, the the, the closest uh, city to, to Asia. Um, and, and, you know, you would have this wealthy clientele come in and spend hundreds of millions of dollars, you know, getting their cancer treatments and so on. Um, the Trudeau government, you know, is heavily invested in the pharmaceutical industry. I can tell you, and this happened before the pandemic, we know that they're building mRNA vaccine factories in Canada, several of them. Um, so, you know, this is the this is the reality of the situation. Well, I'm surprised that this cancer treatment that was so effective is actually being built in the United States, to being honest. I mean, my research shows that they tend to bury promising solutions in general. Yeah, so so what's been happening over the last few years, and again, you, people can look this up. Uh, it's it's either medical, it's under medical isotopes or targeted radionuclide therapy. Is um, you know FDA sat on it for twenty years, so they wouldn't approve a single one of these treatments for twenty years because they were afraid that it would eat into profits of of chemotherapy that made a lot more money. Uh, now, though, there were huge acquisitions in the past few years. I think Novartis spent $2 billion acquiring a tiny company, a $20 million company. They paid $2 billion to acquire one treatment uh, of these targeted radionuclide therapies. And, and so there's a lot of positioning that takes place because ultimately these companies want to make money. They want to make their billions of dollars, yep. uh, but, but only when they're ready. And that's when cancer patients might get access to these treatments. And right now, the, the treatments are being uh, held back in the sense that they're only offered if you're stage four and you failed all treatments. But you could get this treatment at stage one, stage two, stage three. They just won't give it to you because they want you to have the chemotherapy, the radiation therapy, and everything else that makes money. Okay, that's what I thought. Because it didn't make sense to me that this is out there and that this that makes perfect sense. So they give it to people once they hit stage four. It, yes, now, is it and they failed all other treatments. So basically, the option is you get this, or you just you're sent home to die, uh, and you've basically you've you've given the pharmaceutical company all the money for for the chemo and radiation and everything else. Uh, it's just so awful that they do this. It's such a clear indication that they don't care about your health, and it also is an indication that these agencies need to be shut down or totally shut down, and maybe other ones put in their place. But the fact that they're so anti what's good for people is so clear. I've been, I watch your Substack and you have been following the sudden deaths that have been going on around the world. And that's what I see a lot of all these stories of people who are dying from the, the jab or 
Can you talk about that? I mean, I don't know if anybody is talking about it like as much as you are. There are several um, individuals on on Twitter, on X, who are posting sudden deaths on a daily basis. Usually, you know, they don't they don't provide you know any sort of medical commentary on or so on. My goal is to provide some medical commentary as well, in terms of uh, how certain injuries and deaths could relate to the COVID nineteen vaccine. Um, I started doing this earlier this year. Uh, but really, I had been tracking the sudden deaths of Canadian doctors uh, since 2021, because I had noticed that Canadian doctors, well, first of all, we had vaccine mandates in Canada for doctors and all healthcare workers. And, uh, you know, it was around October of 2021, you had to have two doses of a COVID-19 vaccine, and you had to submit your vaccine status, your papers to your employer uh, you know, to whatever hospital or clinic you were employed in. And that was mandated all across Canada. And if you didn't, you were put on unpaid leave and eventually fired. And so we lost in Canada thousands of healthcare workers. No one knows exactly how many, because what happened was the health authorities then started covering this up and they would shift people around. And so people who were didn't want to submit their vaccine status, but they were full-time, you know, they put them on casual status and then they didn't count them anymore as if they never existed. So we lost probably tens of thousands of healthcare workers in Canada because of the vaccine mandates. That's why we have 20-hour wait times in emergency in Canada right now. Uh, you know, we have emergency departments being shut down, uh, long surgical wait times of a year or more, uh, long wait times to get any kind of imaging. Uh, our healthcare system is collapsing because of the vaccine mandates. But I noticed once the mandates kicked in, and the boosters rolled out, I noticed that Canadian doctors were starting to die suddenly right after taking their booster shot, and they were dying in their sleep, and these were people in their 40s and 50s. Uh, then I started noticing extremely aggressive cancers in some of these physicians. Young ones, even medical students in their 20s, would develop brain tumors, spinal tumors, you know, lung cancers, breast cancers, you know, healthcare workers in their 20s, 30s, things I'd never really seen before in my career, and I had seen a lot of cancer. I've, I've diagnosed over 20,000 cancer cases in my career. And so I was seeing things that I'd never seen before. And and so um, I started reporting on it because I realized nobody else is. And, you know, it, it's it's interesting because doctors are not reporting these cases. Um, and I think they would. And, 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 and you wonder why. And, and of course, the mainstream doctors are denying that there's any kind of you know, injuries happening from the vaccine because they gave the vaccine to all their patients. And I imagine they'll say, oh, by the way, I'm sorry, you know, I caused your cancer. I caused your neurological uh, injury. I caused your autoimmune disease. Well, the patients are going to come back and say, well, now I'm going to sue you because you didn't give me the proper informed consent. And that's the problem is no one was given proper informed consent about the risks of the COVID-19 vaccines. That ultimately comes back to why the doctor's 99.9% .9 of them are staying silent and pretending none of these injuries and deaths are happening. Well, you saw the latest ruling with the FDA that they, they changed the ruling and it takes effect January 21st, 2024. So this year in this country, they no longer have to give informed consent for treatments they deem as low risk. So that would mean the COVID shot, you do not have to give informed consent anymore in this country. What are your thoughts right. on that? Well, well, we, well, we basically, you know, they're just making it official, something that has been in place for years that, you know, we lost informed consent years ago. 
Uh, we actually lost informed consent back in, uh, um, I would say, certainly in 2021. Um, I'm just trying to think in 2020. No, I'd say 2021, we lost informed consent in Canada and the United States because in Canada, for example, the colleges of physicians and surgeons sent out memos to all the doctors practicing, effectively telling them that you cannot advise your patients about the risks of the COVID-19 vaccines because you'd be causing vaccine hesitancy and you're going to lose your license if you do. So right there, informed consent wow. is dead. This was early wow. 2021. This that, is just, that is the end of informed consent right and there. And you know they're taking it farther than just the jab. I mean, they, they don't care about, look what they do with cancer. The fact that you can't get this treatment until you're in stage four cancer and they put people through literal hell during that process. But that, but that used to be fairly hidden. People didn't know that. So even cancer patients had no idea. They would ask their oncologist, well, what are my options? And the oncologist would say, well, you'll take this chemo or this radiation therapy or you know this surgery. And they wouldn't even give those options to their patients. So most people didn't know that certain cancer treatments that were extremely effective were being suppressed or were not being offered or were not part of the protocols that were uh, or the guidelines that were given by the, let's say, the American Cancer Society or the various uh, oncologic associations. So people didn't know. But then, you know, with once it came to the COVID vaccines, um, it just became blatant. It became blatant that doctors were not allowed to talk about these products in a negative way. And it turned out that this is a multi-hundred billion dollar industry. There's more money in COVID vaccines than any other pharmaceutical we've ever seen well because they're trying to get everybody to take it and over and over again enforcing it and people think that now they're going to give it to kids in schools and it's just they opened up the floodgates to just doing it everywhere so just to bring back uh you know to to your point about the the diet suddenly cases uh so i first started reporting the sudden deaths of canadian doctors and, and whatever the cause was, uh, initially, a lot of the causes were cardiac, uh, and they still are. Cardiac deaths, usually cardiac arrest while a doctor was exercising, you know, running, swimming, and so on, and cardiac deaths in their sleep, which, again, are extremely rare. That was a huge red flag. That was an awakening moment for me to the effect. I'd seen the athletes collapsing and all of that, but until, until regular people in their 30s, 40s started dying in their sleep, that it was a big big wake up all that this is going to affect many, many more people than just professional athletes. Uh, and then, of course, I discovered the situation of the aggressive cancers, the turbo cancers after COVID vaccination. And, and this is a controversial topic to this day, um, even though there's thousands of people that are coming down with these extremely aggressive cancers, young people are losing their lives, uh, but the medical establishment will not even contemplate any kind of link with the COVID vaccines. And so I get attacked on a daily basis. I get death threats. Uh, I get people reporting me, trying to get my social media suspended. Um, I've had threats to my extended family members of people saying that uh, you need to help us uh, shut Macus down uh, or else. Um, it's it's crazy, but but it makes you know sense in that you know, they don't want the broader public awakening to the realization that that not only have they put out a product that causes myocarditis and pericarditis and those things they've admitted or blood clots, but imagine something that causes cancer. 
uh, and they're keeping it on the market and they're giving it to children as young as six months old and they're giving it to pregnant women and others fetuses that are developing cancers in utero newborns that are developing cancers that i've never seen before um they will fight this uh, as long as they can Jeez, it's just their their agenda of making money and there's other transhuman agenda they have is so important to them that they are willing to just go to the mat on everything. It's just incredible. So are doctors dying at a faster rate than the general public and, and medical well, professionals? So that that's a good question. Um, I believe so. And, and I'll tell you why. Um Experience the groundbreaking advancements of Leela's quantum technology, now backed by over 40 placebo-controlled studies conducted by elite institutions and renowned universities worldwide. This revolutionary technology surpasses previous achievements, as confirmed by prestigious organizations such as the Emoto Institute in Japan. Scientific investigations reveal that Leela's technology not only enhances blood health and circulation, but also neutralizes the adverse effects of electromagnetic fields, expedites wound healing, and elevates ATP production in human cells. Embrace the extraordinary benefits of Leela's tech as recognized and utilized by world-class athletes, esteemed functional medicine practitioners, and leading figures in the field of biohacking. Explore a range of transformative products from the heel capsule, shielding you from harmful EMFs, to the quantum block, allowing you to infuse frequencies into your cherished possessions. Dive into the realm of innovation and wellness at sarahwestall.com shop or by following the link below. You know, as when, once I started reporting the sudden deaths of doctors, well, of course, the, the first questions I get, well, would be, um, well, how does this compare to previous years? And I didn't have that data. And so I decided, okay, well, you know, let me try to get that data. And uh, I actually assembled a team of volunteers who were willing to go through all the reports of, of physician deaths on the various medical association websites uh, and obituaries and so on. And we actually as assembled a database of all Canadian doctor deaths uh, spanning, you know, 2019 to 2022. And we recorded about 2,300 deaths. And, and the, the data is very simple. It shows that the excess mortality of doctors, of vaccinated doctors. Now, we know that doctors are uniformly vaccinated. Mm -hmm. Like this is a group that is 100% vaccinated because if you were unvaccinated, you weren't allowed to work, you were fired. Mm -hmm. And, and so, you know, I mean, there might be a couple of unvaccinated doctors in Alberta who are sort of put on unpaid leave for six months and then allowed to go back. But you can count those on, on two hands. So out of 100,000 doctors, there's maybe 10 in Canada that are unvaccinated. So effectively, 99.99% of Canadian doctors are vaccinated. So you've got a group that you know have taken the vaccines. Their access mortality in 2022 was 53%, meaning 53% more doctors died in 2022 compared to 2019. Just basic numbers. This is all-cause mortality. Now, you know, I've been looking at data that Ed Dowd has been putting out, uh, Ethical Skeptic on Twitter, uh, and others who are looking at excess mortality. Steve Kirsch, of course, um, you know, he, he likes to look at excess mortality data as well. And, you know, what comes out of uh, that data uh, when, whenever they discuss it, is an excess mortality, it, it varies, you know, so the countries are reporting excess mortality of anywhere from 10 to 20 percent, the highly vaccinated countries, 
But when you look at the working age population, Ed Dowd has specifically looked at the working age population. He's talking about a 40% excess mortality, uh, which is huge. I mean, this yeah. is a, you know, this is a multi-sigma event. This is something you would expect if there's a war going on and there's people dying in the it's, war. It's not normal. Yeah. So, so 40, 50%, this is the excess mortality. So the, the, the doctors have an excess mortality that kind of falls in that range. And it comes back to the vaccine mandates. It's the vaccine mandated professions are the ones that have the skyrocketing sudden deaths, sudden and unexplained deaths. And of course, the injuries, the cancers, the, you know, the heart attacks, cardiac arrests, blood clots, and so on. But it really comes back to the vaccine mandates. And that's what I focused uh, on my Substack on exposing is look at all the nurses that are dying. Look at all the teachers that are dying. Look at all the policemen, the firefighters. They're dying in their 30s, 40s, 50s by the thousands. And it's because that's where the COVID vaccine mandates were. Do you think, and this is what I was thinking could be part of it too, is the shedding. And the fact that doctors and nurses and medical professionals are around people who are shedding all the time. So shedding is another one of these controversial concepts. Um, what's interesting is that Pfizer admitted that their product sheds and in their um, clinical trial documents. And, and it's whenever someone says, oh, shedding is a conspiracy theory, just lead them back to the Pfizer documents. Now they call it, they don't call it shedding. They call it environmental exposure through inhalation or skin contact. And okay. so their product is supposed to be injected. So how are you getting environmental exposure through inhalation or skin contact? Well, that's shedding. And it's the particles that people shed who've been vaccinated. Now it could be the, the original lipid nanoparticles or once the body repackages the mRNA uh, and puts out these um, exosomes, they're called, these extracellular vesicles. And those you could breathe those out or you could... You could release those through various bodily fluids. The problem with shedding is that no one's been able to quantify how much shedding happens, why some people react to it and some people don't, and could shedding cause more serious side effects like blood clots, uh, miscarriages, or even cancer, right? You know, this, this, this is, these are the big unknowns. No one knows if these things can happen just from shedding someone who's unvaccinated, right? That makes sense. Um, so there's a lot of questions about shedding, but but what is known uh, is that there is a small percentage of people who react very strongly to being around someone who's been vaccinated and vaccinated recently. And they may have uh, reactions such as, they might just feel sick for several mm -hmm. days. Mm -hmm. They might develop rashes. Uh, they might develop headaches. Uh, so, so there is a small group of people who react very strongly to shedding, to being around vaccinated people. Uh, and again, no one knows why, you know, this small group of people reacts, vast majority of people don't. And again, what if you're exposed to shedding on a daily basis for months That's or right. years? Nobody That's knows. What, Nobody knows. Exactly. Well, they have the self-propagating vaccines that they've been working on. Okay. Forever. So that's Not forever, okay. So for at least but 10 that's, years, 15, 20 years. Yeah. So, so the uh, now, are you referring to the self amplifying mRNA vaccines? I'm just, I've just know there's studies of them looking to do self replicating vaccines and they've been working on them for a while. So that if you vaccinate a host rabbit, it'll vaccinate 60% of the rabbits around it and stuff like that. 
Yes. So what you're referring to um, is self-amplifying mRNA vaccines. This is sort of the next generation of mRNA vaccines. The first one has actually been already approved in Japan. Japan's the first country to approve the first self-amplifying mRNA vaccine. And what that is, is it's the same technology, same lipid nanoparticle, piece of mRNA. But now this mRNA is longer because it has coding for other proteins that once translated in the cell actually generate the replication machinery for the mRNA itself. So now you're not just creating spike protein, you're actually generating more copies of the mRNA inside your cells, and then all of those copies will make more spike protein. And so if you shed that, and someone's exposed to that, now they might, they might take in a minute quantity of this thing, of this self-replicating thing, but because it's self-replicating, it could then make a lot more of itself, and now you've effectively been vaccinated. That's what, yeah. And, so could that be And happening? that is, a, like, this technology is so scary, uh, and, and it boggles the mind that anyone's even working on this, let alone approving it. I, I think I Japan... Know, it's just crazy. I think Japan has completely gone off the deep end. The Japanese government is actively trying to kill its kill off its population, and, and I can say that because when you look at what Japan has done, what the government has done in terms of they only took mRNA vaccines. So this is a purely mRNA vaccinated population. And they have administered over 400 million doses. How are they doing? Like, is their well, excess not... deaths uh, skyrocketing? So you can go to mainstream media and you will find articles saying Japan has the highest excess deaths since World War II. Yeah, it's just crazy. So do you think that this self-replicating uh, vaccines are in the what, what has come out for COVID? Do you think that could be in there and they just haven't told us or we just don't know? Or I hope it, not. Well, I, but I, we I, don't know. We don't, you know, we never know for certain. Um, I don't believe so and, and I okay. certainly hope not. But, but, you know, the point is that the technology certainly exists um, and it's at a point where, you know, I mean, they're, you know, the company that, uh, I think Japan has approved it's it's a it's an American company working with a Japanese company and you know they've 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 trialed this technology in humans you know so they've done phase 3 trials in I don't know how many humans they tested this on but you know they've approved it so it clearly it, it exists it's it has been already tested on humans um it, it is it, so it is a danger uh now there are ways to try to protect yourself to try to um, you know, inactivate this replication machinery uh, by, you know, taking, let's say, zinc, uh, zinc, quercetin, you know, vitamin D, vitamin C, uh, that sort of kind of the original Dr. Zelenko protocol. Uh, but, um, you know, I mean, this is what we're facing for in the future, uh, because they keep pushing That's this right. mRNA technology. Uh, and, and the fact that they keep insisting on the safe and effective Meanwhile, they're trying to push this technology forward, try to come up with new ways of, of, of vaccinating us and injecting us. I mean, it, it's a war. It's a war against uh, it's a war against humanity, really. It's incredible. We're dealing with this. OK, so now I had Ed Dowd on and talking about excess deaths, mm -hmm. and he thinks that possibly we're dealing with the tipping point coming this spring. Because I question, I I'm just surprised people aren't pushing back more without with yeah. that, you know, people see knowing people that have died. 
But do you think there's going to be, is there enough people who have died already? Is there going to be an increase in the number of people who are going to die? And are we re reaching a tipping point? There's three questions there, but I think you can handle it. <laughs> You know, I, I, I agree with Adoud. Um, I, I think we are getting close to some kind of a tipping point and some kind of, a, I don't know if mass awakening is the right expression or term for it, but certainly I think a, a broader awakening in, in the general population. We're, we're very close because I think what's certainly what's happened with, with the doctors is a lot of doctors have simply stopped recommending the vaccine. Yep. They yep. know something's wrong. Yep. They can't put their finger on it. They know something's wrong. And in terms of the broader population, I, I think I've seen I've seen some polls or surveys uh, where now I think it's over 50 percent of people now believe that the vaccines are causing excess deaths and that they know someone who's who's died from the vaccine and so on. So and that used to be quite small. It used to be, you know, 20 percent. It has a, now it has climbed to over 50 percent. So I think we are. We are getting to that point. Whether it's going to be spring of this year or summer, I would say that I believe it will be this year, that there will be a tipping point where then it'll become, um, you know, I, I think the overton window is shifting already. Uh, what It'll become a really mainstream, like accepted by the mainstream that this is happening. And then, you know, the, the fights and the discussions will be, well, to what degree are the vaccines causing these excess deaths? I believe it's the vast majority. So when you look at excess mortality, you know, I personally believe it's something on the order of, of 80%, uh, maybe even 90% of the excess deaths compared to the trend line before the pandemic are now being caused by the COVID vaccines. And what's interesting is that, you know, Canada um, recently, Statistics Canada just put out a report on excess mortality. It's called Deaths 2022. And it includes all the deaths until the end of 2022. And interestingly, in 2022, there were 49,000 more deaths of Canadians than prior to the pandemic, than 2019. And, and I was really curious, how are they classifying these deaths? Because we know they're not doing the autopsies and they're not admitting, I mean, they're saying that the vaccines have caused zero deaths in Canada. Miraculously, science is different in Canada, right? And so how are they classifying these deaths? What's fascinating, they're saying that there's 20,000 COVID deaths, more COVID deaths than we've ever had before, despite the Canadian government recommending seven COVID vaccines since the rollout of the vaccines. We still have more COVID deaths than ever. So, so I think they're hiding a lot of vaccine injury deaths in COVID deaths still. And then you've got 16,000 deaths that they say are due to uh, ill-defined and unspecified causes of death, basically cause unknown. And they admit cause unknown. And they say, well, we're still investigating. And yes, it's mostly young people, but maybe it's end maybe it's going to end up being um, overdoses or, or something else. But uh, they say, you know, 16,000 deaths, unknown causes. And then they admit to some cardiac deaths and cancer deaths and so on and increase in those areas as well. But they're trying to spread it out so that people are not thinking vaccine injury. You know, they're thinking, oh, well, it makes sense. There's a little bit more of, of cardiac arrests and there's a bit more cancer yeah. and there's a, there's more COVID deaths and so on. They're trying to, they're doing whatever they can to spin it for people to keep them in their little box of understanding. So do you think that the deaths will increase? I mean, you, you're seeing cancers exploding. Those take a while to cause death. They're not the sudden deaths. That's true. That's true. But I mean, they do take a little bit of time, but... 
at the same time, we are now three years into the rollout of the COVID vaccines. And the turbo cancers caused by the vaccines typically will kill you in six to 12 months. So we're now three years in. So we are seeing cancer deaths. Absolutely. Um, and I report a lot of them. I've reported hundreds of, of cancer deaths, extremely aggressive cancers. And that's the thing is with these turbo cancers is that, you know, the prognosis isn't the three, five years, 10 years that oncologists will tell you. The prognosis is usually a few months yeah, and usually terrible. up to a year usually up to a year. So we're already seeing them. And I think that's why they're trying to hide them as much as possible. That's why I get viciously attacked. Every single post I make about cancer has a community note on it within an hour. And yeah. this, this means that there's a team of people working 24 seven, making community notes to trying to say, no, no, turbo cancer doesn't exist. Macus is a lunatic. Uh, you know, don't, please don't listen to him. Uh, you know, vaccines can't cause cancer. And, and so there's there's a tremendous effort to suppress specifically uh, any possible link between the vaccines and cancer. Well, do you think the numbers will go up or we have we already seen okay. the peak? Sorry, yes. So um, I like to look at, well, you know, I mean, Ed Dowd's work is fantastic. You know, he puts out uh, data, for example, from the UK government disability data. Their data is uh, better that shows... than the U.S. data, by the way, but keep going. Exactly. And, and, and so Ed Dowd's data shows an increasing trend. I haven't seen a decrease yet. And, and another gentleman is ethical skeptic, and he sort of reanalyzes CDC data in terms of the way the CDC codes the deaths. And he is showing excess mortality that has been steadily climbing uh, in a sort of a steady upward trend since the rollout of the vaccines, but it's still climbing, even though only about 10% of people have taken their recent booster shots. So the vaccine uptake has crashed in the US and Canada and Israel, but the deaths, the excess deaths continue to rise. And that's what's scary about this is because I have not seen a, a decrease. I haven't seen a decrease in cardiac deaths, deaths from blood clots, uh, deaths from cancer. It just, the trend is continues to rise steadily. Well, you know what scares me about that is that I had the original CDC data back in 2020. And, you know, the number of people that maybe it was 2021, I don't know, all these years are blurring together. And the, I had the original data and it showed that the CDC data showed there wasn't, it must've been 2020, um, that there was no increase in death due to anything. I mean, it was just like a normal year. And that was after um, hundred percent reporting in all these different counties. And then three months later, I downloaded the data again and they back changed all this data to match their charts that they wanted to have. So after yeah. I saw that, and I wasn't the only one that did it. If I was the only one that did it, I would have thought I lost my mind. And even at that time I was questioning myself and I even, when I published it, I was really questioning what the heck I'm looking at. Now I know what I was looking at. And I wasn't the only journalist that actually downloaded it and reported on it. So I'm not crazy. So when people are looking at the CDC data, I always, I'm like, well, I don't even know if I, quite, I believe any of the data anymore after I saw them do that, right? But beyond that, the fact that it's showing an increase in deaths with their data, that is really significant. It means they, they can't hide it or something. They, they they are struggling hiding it, and 
You know, so I've been reporting sudden deaths for for the past year on on a regular basis. I would say almost on a full time basis, and I've reported close to now about five thousand sudden deaths. Now, you know, I'm not endowed. Um, you know, I I don't have sort of this data analysis background, and and so, but again, I have medical background. I have extensive background in immunology and diagnostics, cancer diagnostics. Um, cancer treatment and so on. So I look at I look at things at the ground level. What is what are people dying from? What are young people dying from? And are they vaccinated? Are they unvaccinated? Um, and and so it is shocking. Um, you know, those of us who are reporting the sudden deaths on a regular basis, and, and and there's maybe four or five of us who are sort of doing it on a daily basis. Um, we always see that the situation is far worse than anyone can possibly imagine. Uh, I mean, these deaths, uh, you know, these are young people whose lives are being taken from them. People in their 20s, 30s, 40s, dying decades, decades ahead of their time. And so Ed Dowd always talks about, well, you know, at some point, the tipping, at some point, the tipping point will also come for the insurance companies that are getting absolutely hammered. Yep. by all of these deaths, unexpected deaths of young people. And they're staying silent for the most part for now. But at some point, this is going to blow wide open. Well, uh, and I think he's, he's absolutely right that there's going to be one or multiple events that are going to blow this excess death situation wide open at, at some point this year. Well, what do you think is going to happen to the governments? I, be, their cover-up is almost worse than the original crime. I mean, the fact that they're working so hard to cover it up and then when this blows up, I mean, what are we, what are people going to think about their own governments? I mean, this is going to collapse the entire medical industry. It's it just, it, well, it's mind-boggling I mean, you know, what it's, they're doing. I mean, you know, worst case scenario, we might end up seeing riots. Um, you know, we I might. I don't know if that's the worst I mean, case. It, it, I can think of even worse cases. Well, <laughs> but yeah. you know, I, I mean, I mean, again, people might might take their anger out on, on government institutions and, and officials and so on. Um, I can tell you, though, that uh, at least within the conservative area, a political within the conservative political arena in Canada, for example, uh, they're worried about this. They know that the deaths are happening. They know that they have to keep pushing the vaccines because this is a global, uh, obviously, a push. Yep. Uh, and so there's international pressures. I mean, there are you know, there are banks that will withhold millions of billions of dollars of investment if they don't keep pushing these vaccines. So there's tremendous pressure and they they're worried about, you know, how to get ahead of this uh, at the right time so that the people were not taking out, not take it out, their anger out on them. Uh, and so but they don't know how to come go about it. Um, I, but I can tell you in in, for example, in Florida, uh, Florida Surgeon General Dr. Joseph Latipo is taking this head on. And he's called for the halt of the COVID vaccines due to the DNA contamination issue, which is fine because, I mean, there's a, you know, there's a thousand reasons you can uh, call for the vaccines to be taken off the market. DNA contamination is, a, is as any good as any other issue. Um, but, you know, for me, I would say, it, it, you know, it's all the deaths of children and pregnant women. But again, it, it doesn't matter as long as you get these damn things off the market. He knows. Uh, but you he knows but what's see, going on, but he's trying yes, to but you do see, it. Yeah, he's, he's the only one. He's getting viciously attacked by the mainstream media and by the medical establishment that's calling him a quack and, a, you know, and a, I'm sure all the names whatever, they're bringing right? it all out. Yeah. But in Canada, you know, Alberta is, is a province where the politicians are quietly 
looking at how can they stop the vaccines and get ahead of this tsunami of injuries and deaths uh, so that, you know, people won't say, hey, you know, you guys pushed the vaccines too. How come you stayed silent for so long? And this is going to be the balancing act that I think a lot of politicians are going to play. And I and I right now it's the lone wolves, right? It's the An Andrew Bridgen in the UK. It's Christine Anderson in the European Parliament. Um, you know, it's, it's Dr. Joseph Latipo and, and uh, Ron DeSantis in Florida. So you've got these lone wolves that are, you know, uh, calling out the uh, the issue of the excess deaths and vaccine injuries. But as soon as other politicians join them and 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 it starts to be safer to to get on the proper side of this thing you're going to see every politician is going to be trying to figure out a way of how to get ahead and how to really survive uh once more people wake up to what's going on well what do you think about that that they aren't doing the right thing for the wrong reasons Yes. Well, you know, the, the thing is, is that this is the reality that we're in. I don't know the, I can tell you this, um, as a politician, you're obviously beholden to the power, the most powerful financial interests and the most powerful financial interests in the world. Um, they want these vaccines pushed on everybody. And, and so, you know, it, it comes down to the, the individual politician to see, you know, how courageous and how ethical they are in pushing back against this this big global financial push and i think you know i mean there's you know you've got blackrock and vanguard you know these these gigantic hedge funds and you've got the big banks you know they all pushed vaccine mandates and they all they're all pushing the vaccines i mean it's big business it's big whatever business the other reasons, but... whatever the other reasons may be whatever malicious other reasons there may be trying to injure millions of people to get them hooked on, you know, other pharmaceutical products that they'll have to take to treat their injuries. But bottom line is that the money is, is just, you know, and I think to myself, like, like people kill, people literally are willing to kill for small amounts of money. And we're talking hundreds of billions of dollars. Of course, they're going to bribe politicians. Of course, they're going to lie. Of course, they're going to buy out the media. And somehow people, for the most part, are still trusting. They're still trusting of the media. They're still trusting of public health officials. And yet the money involved is completely unprecedented. Well, it's amazing that people trust these guys. I think if this blows up, like you're saying, I think the trust in the establishments, I, I see how they're trying to work through all this stuff, but the trust in the establishments are going to completely collapse. I know it's already collapsed in a lot of circles right and people who listen to my show probably have no trust because they're they hear what we're talking about right now but the collapse of trust in these institutions will fundamentally change the world at a, at a, it will. In a way that we have not seen it will. before and you know when when klaus schwab says we're never going back to 2019 he's absolutely right now he is right he may have he may have his own vision of what you know he envisions the world will look like but he's absolutely right. We're never going back. Uh, you know, we're going to see, we're going to see a collapse of institutions on a scale I don't know if if, if we've ever seen before uh, in the United States and Canada. So I, I think that is absolutely coming. Um, and then it's just a question of of how it's going to look like. You know, the World Economic Forum when they have their yearly meetings in in Davos, Switzerland, uh, this past year, their number one concern wasn't, oh, what's going to be the next pandemic? Or how do we, you know, deal with the vaccine injured? 
their number one concern was how do we control misinformation and disinformation and malinformation did you know the difference between malinformation and mis misinformation is just wrong information disinformation no disinformation is just wrong information misinformation is information what might be wrong but you didn't mean to do it you know maliciously but uh, maliciously but malinformation is just information that goes against the state narrative there again that's part of the law too well and 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 again this but this is what they're worried about the most um and and they're upset that twitter the being the biggest social media platform in the world is now a platform they can't control um and and, and so you know i mean for the let, most let's part let's even set it because they let's are starting to suspend the, accounts, but go ahead. But let's just set aside even, even the vaccine issue, for example. Um, just look at Tucker Carlson. He goes to Russia. He's going to now interview Putin. And everyone is freaking out. The mainstream establishment is freaking out that Tucker Carlson is going to interview Putin and that you know other people are going to actually see what Putin has to say, for example. Right, um, right there, it, it, it just shows you that you know, the establishment is most worried about controlling information. That is what they're worried about. Well, they had Megyn Kelly interview Putin with, I don't NBC or ABC, one of those people, and they like celebrated and everything. Of course, she's controlled and she just said what she could say. So it's not that they have a problem with Putin being interviewed. It's a problem that they can't control the interview. Exactly. It's all about control. And, and, you know, when you look at outside of Twitter, um, the uh, censorship is still extreme. That's I right. think people sort of forget that, you know, you still can't put stuff on YouTube and Facebook and Instagram. Uh, for example, any of my content, like none of my content is on YouTube because even other people have told me that they put my interviews on YouTube and, and they get, you know, strike. Uh, yeah. they get get a strike or what have you facebook you know you get a 30-day suspension uh instagram i've been threatened by instagram i I literally now can only post pictures no videos just pictures with no comments and people actually talk in code on instagram i don't know if you're aware of this but but there's a huge group of vaccine injured in australia who speak in code so that they don't lose their instagram accounts you know they have to put emojis and so on Uh, i mean this is literally like living in communism you know people in communism would also you know if they if they listen to radio free europe or what have you they would have to you know do it somewhere hidden make sure the 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 government didn't find out i mean that's kind of where we're at well they've been suspending accounts on twitter now too i've multiple people that's true yeah so something's going on with twitter and only about five percent of the actual population use unless it's increased in the last year actually use Twitter on any regular basis. I think like 25% have an account and only 5% actually use it on a regular. Mm-hmm. So whereas YouTube is like 90%, you know, of the people have an account and I, I, I don't know the actual usage, but it's a lot higher than Twitter, you know, significantly higher. So the masses are really under a control spell. I mean, they're completely. Yeah. Now, uh, when do you... I mean, I, I don't I don't even know what more to ask about the establishment. You're living in Canada. Are you yeah. fearful of living in Canada or is it really any different than the United States? 
Well, um, I am a, I am fearful. I mean, when we had the travel restrictions, for example, on the unvaccinated, where you couldn't get on a plane, you couldn't get on a train, uh, because Justin Trudeau said so, uh, we effectively had an iron curtain in Canada. Yeah, you know, six did. million Canadians couldn't travel. Uh, when the whole vaccine passport issue came out, you know, everyone had to show their papers. I remember taking my kids to uh, swimming lessons um, at the local community center, and they would set up checkpoints. So they would, you know, put the caution tape, and then they would have some young kid, some like poor 18-year-old kid sitting in a chair in the front door checking papers. Show me your papers or you're not getting in. I mean, this is just absolute lunacy. And, you know, I remember my kids were less than 12 years old and I was I was happy because they could get in. They, they wouldn't have to show anything. But kids 12 and up had to show their vaccine papers or they were not getting in. So they actually mandated kids 12 and above to take the vaccines in order to play sports. That is a crime that's still not being even talked about in Canada. Crime against humanity. And this is the stuff yeah. that's going to be coming out. Wow. I, I just I don't. I think it's important that this stuff comes out as soon as possible so that we can get past it. Because I think that we aren't, we're going to have a reset and it, it because yeah. people, because of this, it's just, we need to get, I'm ready for it. Let's bring it on because I want to get to the other side. Cause this has been a painful process. But, you know, getting to the other side may be a very painful experience I and know for some people, because Again, it's like, you know, like, for example, in communism, you know, we experienced the collapse of institutions and so on. I mean, Europe went through World War II, where everything collapsed. And then, of course, you know, you you, you had un those countries that unfortunately fell under communism, were stuck under communism for the following 50 years oh, uh, before people were able to shake that off. So, you know, I, I, I'll say I'm not looking forward to the collapse or to the collapse of institutions because, you know, a lot of people, you know, there's people who don't make it through that kind of uh, an, an upheaval. And and so it's not something I'm looking forward to. But again, it, it's 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 going to happen. It's inevitable because our, our institutions are completely rotten from corruption and, and, and incompetence. And, um, you know, it just the pandemic brought everything to the surface of just how corrupt, you know, the healthcare system, the education system, the churches, for example, uh, I mean, the churches fell in line, almost all of them, with the vaccination as yeah. well, and you know, with the vaccine mandates and all of that. Uh, it was it was just hideous, and and no one's been held responsible. And you know, we're sort of at the precipice of we know that the trust has been lost, and but the broader public hasn't found out yet just how much they were harmed and just how much their families were harmed, uh, and when they do, you know, all hell's gonna break loose. I think so too. And that's why we say at some point, we just have to get through it. We're just going to have to face it and get through it. Yeah. And it's better I, I think to it's face more... it than not, but you're right. It's going to yeah. be ugly. It's going to be ugly. It's going to, okay. Well, how do people follow you? I, you, your Substack, your website, what do you got going? Um, I have a very active Twitter account. I'm posting uh, diet suddenly cases on a regular basis. Um, and so my Twitter account is at MacusMD. My my Substack account is macsmd.substack.com, and I put out articles and very interesting video clips on a, on a daily basis. Uh, so uh, I I highly recommend it. I mean, people can sign up for free 
um you know i put the videos for free but you know i always appreciate the support because you know my license has been taken away from me and i have you know small kids that i need to feed as well so i do appreciate and i've had tremendous support from people that i've really really appreciated i'm also on instagram w macus md on instagram and so all my diet suddenly cases go uh on instagram with no commentary because you know the moment i i make any commentary about the vaccine that's the end of my instagram account so people can find me on those three social media well some of the died suddenly are really good where you talk about somebody who has harassed others for not getting the shot and then they die or they're you know i think that's the one you posted today some that's some, the one i posted today yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, yeah. you know, I mean, these are sad cases in the sense that you, you could tell that these people, they were so fearful and they were so brainwashed by the propaganda that they turned their fear into anger against the unvaccinated and they lashed yes. out at the unvaccinated. And for example, two people have, well, one has died. There was a journalist who went after Novak Djokovic, the number one, world's yeah. number one tennis player. Um, the journalist who viciously attacked Novak died. And now this law professor in Australia, who also said Novak should have been kicked out of the country, now he's been diagnosed with a terminal brain cancer. So, I mean, these are these are sad cases, you know. They uh, are sad, I, but I, at some point, it's kind of like God is, I don't know, I shouldn't go You know, I, I put out another substack a few days ago, and, and these were people who were mocking ivermectin during that time when there was a smear campaign against ivermectin by the FDA, when the FDA say, Hey, you're not a horse. You're not a cow. Stop it. Don't take ivermectin. And then there were people that were putting out, they were laughing and they were like, oh, you know, people are so stupid where, you know, they think they're a horse and so on. And, and they've died suddenly. And I've, I've put out a bunch of those cases as well. They took the vaccines, of course. Uh, you know, they, they were laughing about ivermectin. And if they had taken ivermectin instead of the vaccines, fine. they would probably still be alive today. For sure. There's so an it, editor... There's a New York editor that put out a clip saying you're a prick for not getting the prick, you know, the vaccine. And a couple of days after he put out this like little video of that, he died. This was a few years yeah. ago, but it's, it's just incredible. Some of these things. And there was a woman on stage, a comedian talking about the vaccine and how people are morons for not getting it. And then she collapses during that monologue. Yeah. Yeah, you know. She actually said, she actually said, I'm vaccinated, I'm boosted, and Jesus must love me more. And and then like seconds later, she just collapsed, cracked her skull. She survived, uh, but she had some kind of a, um, uh, probably a blood clot or some kind of a cerebrovascular accident. Um, fully vaccinated, probably a blood clot. Yeah, it's just, it's happening to a lot of people, uh, unfortunately. But, you know, it, it's uh, fortunately... You know, we have a platform where all of this information can get out. It's not like people don't have access to information. In communism, the problem was people didn't have access to information yeah, right. unless you figured out how to get like, uh, at, you know, uh, how to get your radio hooked up to a transmission from the West. Uh, it was very, very hard to get information here. There's no excuse. Everyone has access to information. All you have to do is just keep an open mind, open your eyes. Uh, and you, and people people would see, you know, the vaccine injuries and deaths and so on. So, well, well I hope also, more people wake up. 
I hope so too. But that also shows you why we have to fight like crazy not to have this communist shutdown yeah. come into our country because you you get to see what the ramifications of it are before it's completely implemented. That's right. Exactly. Yeah. Well, thank you. Because so once it once it's ahead. thank you. I was just gonna say no. that that once communism sets in, it's very hard to get out of it. And it, and it took people have to remember that in Europe, it took people almost 50 years to get out from under communism. So I hope, uh, you know, we, we can uh, stop it before it ever comes uh, to Canada or to United States. Well, we, yeah, we, we cannot let, cause we see what we see partial. We're partially there. We see it. Okay. Well, thank you so much for joining. Thank you for the courage that you've had. Thank you for the contributions you've had to cancer research, to everything that you're doing. I know that maybe, maybe in your lifetime, you'll get the pat on the back and the recognition you deserve. Um, but for now, just know there's people like me that are thankful for you and your courage and everything that you're doing. Well, thank you. I appreciate you having me on.